Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Good morning. Good morning. This is my third official Sunday visitation, and um, as I said at the beginning, uh, doing confirmations, I believe, is one of the more exciting things that we do in the life of our liturgy and worship in the church, because it's a public reminder that those coming forward are putting their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's an opportunity to make a mature profession of faith in Him as, as Lord. But we're also laying hands on them, and all of us are praying that the Holy Spirit will be stirred up in the lives of these believers, that they might be given gifts and fruit for ministry for the sake of the church, but more importantly, for the sake of the world, so that more and more people may be brought into a living relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And of course, in Advent, the focus is on the coming of Jesus, his preparation. Uh, it's almost like we're in a countdown mode, but it's going the opposite way as more and more lights are being added to the Advent wreath. And I just noticed that the, the uh, sermon clock is going. That reminds me of Advent as well. Um, <laughs> We're all under this uh, countdown, this watch, this preparation for uh, one of the most important events in all of human history. I can remember from about the age of three or four to the age of roughly 10, Christmas Eve was one of the more amazing events in my life and in my home. It was an evening filled with excitement and anticipation, and my sister and I would go to bed on Christmas Eve and neither one of us could sleep. She was a year younger than I was. We'd both lay in bed in anticipation of presents and candy and whatever Santa might have brought. One of us would get the other out of bed sometime in the middle of the night, uh, and we'd go downstairs, but we had a rule. My parents told us we could not leave the bottom of the steps until they were ready for us. So somewhere around 4 a.m., we'd sit there at the bottom of the steps just in anticipation, shaking, you know, ready to go. And we could hear them, of course, setting things up and fixing coffee, and it just made the anticipation worse. We could barely contain ourselves. The excitement was so strong. Well, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we're really pretty much in the same place, that same place of anticipation and excitement. We sit at the bottom of the stairs. The lights are now flashing on the Advent wreath. It's a reminder the curtain is about to rise on our celebration of the most important event in human history, God becoming one of us. With excitement and anticipation, we're just hours away from the great announcement of Christmas, and it's God's answer to our continuous cry for help. As we struggle with sin and evil and death in the world around us, God takes on our flesh. He becomes like us so that we might have the opportunity to become like him. God steps into this world of death and brings life. He steps into this world of despair and pain and brings joy and healing. He steps into this world of darkness and brings light. And in the beginning of John's gospel, we are assured that that darkness cannot overcome the light. You see, the miraculous power of God is so transforming that he can bring life out of death and hope out of despair, comfort out of pain, for with God, nothing is impossible. And we see that this morning in the lives of two women we've just read about. Elizabeth, who is now pregnant despite being, having been barren, and Mary, this young virgin teen who's become miraculously pregnant and who now nurtures in her womb the life of a baby who is in fact the life of the world. God has done amazing things in Elizabeth's life. That very word barren brings up certain images. 
images of deserts and wastelands, fruit trees without fruit, ghost towns without tumbleweeds blowing down empty streets, or with tumbleweeds. In fact, uh, on the way in yesterday, Deacon Wade and I saw a giant tumbleweed when we left the airport. The images, of course, of barrenness is unproductive and empty and desolate, all synonyms for Elizabeth's condition. That was the picture Elizabeth had of her life. And then miraculously, God intervened, and all of that was behind her. When her friends were now cuddling their grandchildren, she was out buying maternity clothes. After a lifetime of dashed hopes, she was going to be a mother. God was going to do something way bigger than just one little old couple in the Judean hills could do. No angel had to tell Elizabeth what he had just told Mary, that with God all things are possible. I think that's part of the message of Christmas. With God all things are possible. Elizabeth, having seen this miraculous power of God in her own life, begins to see everything through the eyes of a renewed faith. When Mary comes to call, Elizabeth knew what had happened to Mary without a word of explanation. Yes, she had a little help from her unborn son. She even had more help from the Holy Spirit. But I believe Elizabeth was able to see what God was doing in Mary's life because she had seen what God had done in her own. Her experience of God's power gave her eyes of faith. Eyes that see possibilities where others see problems. Eyes that see opportunities where others see obstacles. Eyes that see miracles where others only see the mundane. And she says, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? With those words from Elizabeth, we have the second confession of the divinity of Jesus. The first having happened just seconds before. As Mary speaks to Elizabeth and baby John leaps in the womb of his mother. Six months before the angels fill the skies and before shepherds come and kneel before this baby Jesus, Elizabeth and her unborn son, John the Baptist, have acknowledged Jesus as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And they recognize that God is doing something remarkable, something that will change the course of human history and, in fact, the entire universe. Right there in that backwater village in a backwater country in a small corner of the earth. In verse 42, Elizabeth tells Mary, You are the most blessed of all women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. Now, the word St. Luke uses here is eulogio. You may be able to hear an English word in there, eulogy. And for that, we usually reserve that term for funerals, but it's a time when we speak well of others. We talk about someone as positively as we can. The word isn't that specific in Greek, though. It's, it's not just something you say at a funeral, but it can be, it can be simply the praise or, or the speaking well of or the honoring of someone. So Elizabeth is saying, you and that baby are going to be the most honored people on the planet. That may have not been how the young pregnant woman was feeling at the moment, especially after a three or four day trek through the hills of Judea. But eventually Elizabeth's words would come true. The other word for blessed is used in verse 45, where Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her would be accomplished. This time, Luke doesn't use that word. He uses a different word, which has less to do with words and opinions of others and more to do with a state of being favored by God, having a heart and an attitude of one who knows the favor of God, a state of being blessed by divinity. This particular word, I think, indicates the one of one who has a pervasive joy regardless of their circumstances. 
Elizabeth is saying, Mary, when you grab hold of God's promises and believe them, there's a joy that is going to sustain you through all of this. Because Jesus has come into the world, you and I can share in that same life-sustaining joy that Mary had and that Elizabeth is talking about. This morning, Elizabeth and Mary remind all of us, with God, nothing is impossible. They remind us that despite our circumstances, we can trust in the promises of God. God with us, that one truth changes the very reality in which we live. This decaying world in which we live will one day be made new. That's the promise of the gospel. But through faith in Jesus, we can be made new even now. The promise of being new creations in Christ. How should we anticipate the news we are about to hear? Well, I'd refer back to Elizabeth with open eyes, eyes of faith to say, see Jesus. And in fact, with open ears, ears ready to hear again the good news of God in Christ. With open hearts, hearts ready to receive the love and joy of Jesus Christ. And finally, with open hands, hands ready to share that love and joy with others. As Christmas approaches, remember that God has come to us in order to transform us. Reflect on how God has touched you over this last year. What miraculous things has he done in your life? And then give thanks. The season of preparation that we call Advent is nearly over, and the time for celebration is about to begin. I ask you to join me at the bottom of the stairs in excitement and anticipation for what is about to happen. And I pray we will celebrate together the truth of God with us. And let us not only celebrate that life and that hope and that joy that he brings, but let us embrace it and live it and share it with others. In the name of the living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.